Good morning. Good morning. Almost uh, complete technology fail this morning, so uh, it's old school. Um, Turn it the other way. Oh, sorry. Apologies. Uh, recording on the phone, not on the microphone. Anyway, it's funny how we become dependent on these things. Uh, I look up verses and the, you know on the internet, and I find interesting things to say. Um, I read my Bible on my phone or on my laptop or whatever. And here I am, I had to shake some dust off it. Um, horrible admission, isn't it? Anyone ever heard the joke about the three-legged pig? Yeah? Everyone? No? Okay. I'll tell you then uh, you can groan together. This is a good joke for granddads and dads to tell their kids and grandkids. That's another good thing about dad jokes, isn't it? When you're granddad, you can tell them again. Anyway, guy's been shown around the farm, and the uh, farmer's coming around, and uh, he suddenly spots uh, a three legged pig, fully grown, sort of charging around. And uh, he said, oh, What's with the three legged pig? And he goes, Well, that pig, he said, that pig is amazing. A few months ago, said, my tractor started to overturn. And as it was going over, that pig rushed off, got his back underneath it, and held it long enough for me to get out of the tractor before it rolled over. It would have killed me. Fantastic pig. But not long after that, he said, one of the barns went on fire. Pig rushed in, actually on its own, unhitched quite a lot of the, the livestock, the horses and that, led them out to safety. Amazing, he said. Pig's got such intelligence. And finally, he said, only last week, he said, uh, one of the children fell down a, a, a cliff. Not badly injured, but stuck there. The pig itself climbed down, took hold of the child by the collar and pulled it out to the top. And he said, uh, that's amazing, he said. I said, why has it only got three legs? He said, well, don't eat a pig like that all, all, all at once. <laughs> Now, what's that going to do with the sermon? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, no. Sometimes we're not appreciative, are we? That's what it's about. Anyway, I'd like to move on. Today, um, we're continuing our, our uh, really it's a continuation of last week of Andy's talk. And um, unfortunately, you're going to have to get your Bibles out. Not unfortunately, but you can't be able to read it on the screen because we ain't got no projector. Um, and I've got my notes here as well. So I'm going to look at, um, I'm going to start off by looking at Matthew 6, 19 to 21. These are verses you are familiar with. And we're going to look at treasures in heaven, laying up treasures in heaven. Now, I'm not going to be over long. I have been warned. Um, let's read the verses first and, and listen carefully if you haven't got your Bibles with you. If not, you might like to follow it. Matthew 6. And verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay. Treasures in heaven. Okay. Now, I've heard a lot of talk about treasures in heaven over the years. 
Um, most of it relates to giving money to the church. I'm not going to talk about giving money to the church because I don't believe that these verses relate to that. You'll find quite a lot of people who maybe get worried or have a lack of faith or want to enrich themselves, particularly I've seen it when I've been in the United States where people relate to their ministry and how can you store a treasure in heaven? Well, you can contribute to my ministry. Make me richer and you'll be rich in heaven by being poorer here, you know? I think that's disgraceful, frankly. We don't hear so much of it here so overtly because that kind of stuff isn't, for instance, we're not allowed to have tele-evangelists on the, uh, and people for cash on the main channels, um, thankfully. Uh, but it can happen, you know, just on a, a local basis or a smaller basis where people are essentially living off the goodness of the church. And that's good in some, some ways, you know, people got to live and, you know, legitimate ministries and things, so, you know, some of them ain't so legitimate or just made up or total fabrication. But anyway, we won't go into that. We'll look at that at maybe another time when I can express myself in a way which um, is less appropriate. Um, but we do see it where people relate treasures in heaven to you give me money here and you'll be blessed. It's a kind of, it's just a tip for tat thing, but you know, they're not exercising a lot of faith in terms of um, I want the money here now and you can have it sometime in heaven kind of thing. And those verses don't relate to that. So if you hear that kind of thing, I'd always be a little bit suspicious. Check it out, you know. Of course we need money. We need money as a church here to survive. We need to pay for the lights and the heating and the rent and all the other stuff. We need to pay for people to do things, some sometimes get speakers, all that. All that's there. That's, that's a material. That's the kind of thing that we give for. Anyway, we're talking about our treasures. Now, treasures are generally, in our, in our term, is our wealth, our money and things like that. Um, and it's what we do with that. It's what our attitude is towards that. Now, if you have a look at... Matthew 20, no, sorry, Matthew 19 first. Um, you'll also find a similar story where a young ruler comes, or a young, young man, or whatever he is, comes to Jesus. And he asks, what must he do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And it's a slightly longer story here. Um, it's in... Chapter 19 of Matthew, and it's verse 16. So let's go through the story um, and just pick up a couple of points in that as well, which relate to what Jesus was saying earlier in the uh, Beatitudes. Now, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Jesus, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony on your father and mother, and love your neighbour as yourself. Well, all these I've kept, the young man said. He must have been a teenager because he knew everything, you know. Um, and he said, that wasn't that patronising, sorry. Um, with, uh, and and uh, all these I've kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. 
And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. When Jesus, then Jesus said to his disciples, I'll tell you the truth. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Leave it there. It's undoubtedly more difficult for people of wealth, people who are rich, to enter the kingdom of God. And that can be a relative thing as well. I wonder if that's why a lot of people give their lives to the Lord in countries where there is a lot of poverty, as opposed to we have much smaller churches in the Western world, apart from you see the mega churches and all that, but they're, they're an exception in a way. Because relatively speaking, we don't have to rely on God in the immediate. We do rely on God because God sustains everything. But we have enough wealth, enough social security, in a lot of cases, to be able not to acknowledge God and say, well, I've got the money. I don't need to seek God. I don't need to know where my next meal's coming from or whatever. Now, I know there are people in poverty, and we want to talk about that in a minute. And I know that it's relative from one society to another. But that's also another thing. But generally speaking, if you're the richer you are, the harder it is to rely upon God. Because in your mind, you don't need to. Yeah? Does that make sense? And Jesus said that. He said it's hard. It's hard for rich people to come to faith. It's hard for rich people to know what it's like to be desperate, to come to the point where they cry out to God and say, God, save me. And yet they'll still kill themselves because the riches in this world don't satisfy ultimately. You know, causes of death in the UK particularly, um, suicide is quite low down on the list. It's mostly health problems. But of in suicide, one of the major, or perhaps the major cause, I don't know, is depression. And the biggest cause in that is debt and poverty. People find it hopeless and helpless. And so they think the only way out is to end it. Interestingly, three men for every one woman with suicide. So maybe some more resilience in the women than the men. Cultivate your feminine side, man. That's the way to do it. Okay. The rich man, the rich young man, made the decision. He'd done everything. He had everything he should. But the one thing that Jesus wants him to do, he couldn't do. Because that meant he'd have to rely on Jesus. And he said to him, you know, you will have treasures in heaven, then come and follow me. You know, he didn't say, come and follow me, and then you'll have riches in heaven. The thing that was stopping him was his wealth, was he was trying to serve, well, that's where his heart was, if you like. That's where his heart was, with his wealth. And Jesus knew that was the blockage to coming to know him. <coughs> so you sell everything, give it to the poor. You'll have treasures in heaven, then come and follow me. Because Jesus knew that was the blockage, that was the thing that would get in the way. 
This isn't going to end up with a call to sell everything, and we'll all go on the road, by the way. So um, don't be too worried about it, but hey, it might be that the Lord's speaking to you. There's always an adventure with the Lord. You cannot serve God and money, it says, or mammon. So, what's our reward? What's our reward in heaven? Anyone? Me? Give me a few, throw a few things out. What's your reward in heaven? Some kind of crown. Crown? Some kind of crown. Okay. I keep crowning myself, actually. Can I see another thing on my head there? That was a shelf. Sorry? Eternal life. Eternal life, absolutely, yeah. Now that eternal life, is that so like boring? Being in God's presence. I think being in God's presence eternally will not be boring. <coughs> it won't be boring anyway. I've said this before. It's a function of time. Boring, boring is a function of time. We're outside time anyway. So, hey, everlasting is as a thousand years, as is a day. Time means nothing. So boring won't happen. But we're in the presence of the living God. We're there. Better than the other place. Better option, I think. Anything else? What else? What's Continuous worship. Continuous worship. Maybe. <laughs> yes. Depends on your point of view. Yeah. Well, we were worship. We might be. Whatever. Who cares? You know, we'll be with God. That's the thing. We'll be with the Lord, and we won't be unhappy. We may be perfect. We may. Not be quite perfect, I don't know. It didn't say anything particularly about that. It says we'll know as we're known. Have a look, check things. Never make assumptions in the Bible. If someone tells you something, come and have a look at it. If I tell you something, come back and tell me, show me a verse and say, Steve, you were wrong. All right? I might be. But this is my understanding. All right? We feel like Jesus, yeah. Yeah. We're like God now. We're in the image of God now. Made in God's image. Yeah, we're not perfect. We're not perfect, no. So, what would be? Bit nervous that in my Bible, but anyway, we can have a chat about it. All I'm saying is, look it up because when someone asks you, you can say, "Well, I don't know, but I'll try and find out from someone." Your faith isn't based upon. You understand? If aliens landed tomorrow, would you say, "Oh my goodness, no, my faith has disappeared"? Do you know what I'd say? I'd say maybe they haven't sinned. And so they don't need the saviour. Or if they have sinned, I'm sure it's been there to die for them too. Not based on that. You know. You can probably pull some verse out of the Bible that says we're the only ones in the universe that are ever whatever. And I think that's probably true actually. Um, though I don't know such verse that explicitly states that. But all I'm saying is if faith is based upon what Jesus has done for us, or what's in the Bible. And what is truly in the Bible, not what people assume is in the Bible, or not what somebody kind of builds on, you know, their imagination. Always go back to the Word and look at it. And the Lord can say different things to different people. You know? Little homily over because I'm rushing on. Our rewards in heaven. Okay, listen to this one. All right? You all know the story. I'm going to paraphrase it because it's a fairly long story, but we'll read the last bit. 
King goes, uh, no, man goes out, owner of a vineyard, and he goes out at six o'clock in the morning and he says, you, 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 need any work? Right, come and work in my vineyard, I'll give you a denarius, okay? Denarius is a Roman coin, day's wages. Things are going quite slowly, it's a lot to do. Nine o'clock, goes back out. What are you doing? You, 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 yeah, okay, come on. Come and I'll give you, I'll pay you what's appropriate. Does the same thing at 12 o'clock, three o'clock. Gets to five o'clock, there's only an hour left to go. And he goes out and he just finds a few people hanging around. Why aren't you working? And he said, well, I've just been hanging around, we've just been hanging around, we some to hire us right down the vineyard. We won't get anything in. Six o'clock comes, end of the day. They all queue up for the wages. Different people come at different times. They all get denarius. Every one of them. Denarius, denarius, denarius. And then this, this happens. In, um, again, if you want to follow it, Matthew 20. And it is... Right, verse 9 we'll go from. It said, The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not here to be unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired, if I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. We all get the same reward, whether we're saved when we were tiny tots or we're saved when we're on our deathbed. We get the same rewards. Do you know what our extra reward is? Is that the sooner we get saved, the better our lives can be serving the Lord. We have the privilege of being his servants here and now. We all get the same reward. We all get to be with him, all right? Now you can pick out various scriptures about who's at the front and who's at the back, you know? It's, related, it's said that um, John Wesley was asked, would his rival, which he didn't see as a rival, uh, which was Whitfield, you know, because people, you know, they didn't have football in those days, so they had to have preachers, sort of, uh, which one's the best, you know? And um, they said, uh, Mr. Wesley, do you think that, um, was it John, was it John, it was John Whitfield, wasn't it? it was John, George, George Whitfield. Do you think George Whitfield will be, I think it was those two anyway, you know, for the benefit of the tape, I may be lying. Um, but the story is the same. Do you think George Whitfield will be at the front? That uh, will be in heaven. And he said, uh, you'll see him in heaven. That was it. Do you think you'll see him in heaven? He said, no, he'll be much nearer the front than me. It doesn't matter. The front to the back, the sides, round the back, on the new heaven, new earth, would be with the Lord. Yeah? The Bible doesn't tell us a huge amount about heaven. We have people who say, you know, I had a vision and I went to heaven, and people there say, oh, that's fantastic. I wrote a book about it, funnily enough. Um, and they all think, well, yeah, what happens this? And we'll be playing in the river with Jesus. And, uh, yeah, okay, enough said. We know we'll be there, we know we'll be okay, whatever condition we're in, whatever, we'll have new bodies, etc., etc. That's our reward. 
they all got the same reward. So what's it about laying treasure up in heaven? Come back to the subject. If I'm laying up treasure in heaven, surely I expect to get something for that. After all, I'm not laying up here now. I'm spending it on the kingdom. Well, the slight trick here, because when it says, and you will lay up treasures in heaven for yourself, it can also be translated as, and you will lay up treasures in heaven yourself. Subtle difference? <laughs> you see, what's our motivation? Is it that we want some sort of promotion? Is it we want to be standing higher up? Is it because we've worked so hard in the vineyard that we are worth more than somebody else and therefore we get a big reward in heaven? We are more perfect than somebody else? I don't think so. We all get the same reward. Our motivation. Well, I'll leave you in the questions. See, there's questions for home group. See what you think your motivation is. But we think we're going to get something out of it. That's selfishness. That's not serving the Lord. It's about self-sacrifice, isn't it? It's about giving of ourselves. He said to the man, give everything to the poor. Yeah. Luke 12, 33. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted for no thief comes and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I said that in uh, Matthew 6 as well. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there. Is your treasure actually the money? Is it the security? Is it the things you can get in this earth? And therefore, that treasure is translated to the things I can get in heaven. Of course not. You're going to be disappointed if that's your thought. For a start, there ain't no money in heaven. Streets pay for gold, allegedly. I think that's a picture. But if it is, you can't spend a flagstone. We've gone awfully quiet. Give to the poor, he says, and you'll have treasures in heaven. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich, okay, in this present world, not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth. Mm, interesting. Which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So there's a logic here. If I'm rich, relatively or actually, compared to the people I'm with, and I use that wealth for God's kingdom, not church, Right? Churches within there, but they use it for the poor, for doing good, for being generous, for doing the things that I can do because other people can't do. That wealth will no longer get in the way 
It will be a means to bless people, to save people, to stop suicide, to do whatever ever that the Lord wants you to do. Okay? Our sacrifice, our trust in God, then means that we'll lay up treasure in heaven because our conduct and our faith in, first of all, trusting God, but secondly, being able to provide for those who need our provision, who need provision from God. After all, it was the good news for the poor, right? But we realised that they're poor, we're poor in God's eyes, and we give and sacrificially give, and we are generous in everything we do. That has got to attract people to you to know why you do that. And this is where I'm talking about evangelism. What are we certain, the one, well, apart from God being there, what are we certain is going to be in heaven? People. That's the treasure. That's the treasure. That's the currency of heaven. Is people. Lay up treasures in heaven. We want to see people know the Lord. We want to see people united with the Lord. The treasure in heaven is the people who are saved through the actions of us giving up our treasure here. We can't take it with us. Our reward is all the same. But we can't store up treasure in heaven for ourselves, you know? Have you ever heard that song? Um, it's a bit of a schmaltzy song. I don't remember exactly, but it's when I dreamed I went to heaven, blah, 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 blah. And singing about somebody uh, um, who was faithful to the Lord, and you see loads, uh, it keeps meeting people and saying, you did this for me, and now I'm saved. You know, I gave the life to the Lord later, you didn't see it, all this. And it kind of goes on and on. It's a real, it's one of those songs that you kind of think, yeah. Um, at the end of it, but it's got truth in it. That's what I think. And I remember years and years ago, I was on, it's a long story, but I was going to different places with a band and speaking and stuff like this. Not that the band was back at me, no. Um, but I was speaking occasionally at meetings and everything. And we went to one, and it happened to be the pastor's retirement day, and they were like the like in the States. They had everybody there, and the police chief and the mayor and everything. And we'd been speaking earlier in the day and different things, and we were invited along. So we're in this service, and um, the pastor is sitting there, and everybody, they called it Pastor, I can't remember his name, Pastor Whatever Day, you know, it was declared by the mayor today as Pastor Whatever Day, just for the day, not, you know, you have Martin Luther King every day, every week, you know, every, every year. Anyway, <clears throat> he's sitting there, and then these two girls got up, some young teenagers, and they sang this song, now I knew this song, I'd heard it before. I thought, here we go, here we go. You know, I'm going to sing this song to Pastor. I know just what it's like, you know, this sort of emotional sort of tugging of the heart and everything. And I said, oh yes, and the verse is coming up. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Suddenly, it kind of got me as well. I think, I hate this, you know. Um, it's unpleasant because it was true. It was true. It's our deeds and our actions. It's our good works. It's the treasure we spend here. The sacrifice of the things that we 
could rely on. That builds up treasure in heaven. I'm sure that pastor would see many people there. He's probably long gone now because he was pretty old when he, when he retired. We'll see many people who through his actions, because he didn't have a lot of money, he drove this old banger, old pickup truck actually, and uh, he, was, he was just an ordinary man. We loved the Lord, and I'm sure that he gave so much to the Lord, and it was true, even though the song itself was one that I would never have in my record collection. Don't have record collections now, but shows how old I am. So the treasure in heaven is people. Invest in people, all right? It's a kind of phrase. We invest in people. We invest our, ourselves, the things that we could rely upon. We get alongside them. In every case, Jesus said, get rid of the stuff that gets in the way and give to the poor. Bring things into balance. Be, be how it should be. One last verse. 1 Peter 1 and verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's for every one of us. That is our reward. You know, I'm sure that we'll be, oh, I might be making this up, we'll know one another there. We'll know as we're known. We'll know the Lord. We'll be there for, we won't be there for a long time. We'll be there forever. You know? And it'll be the life of the eternal because there's a quality to it as well, you know? But let's see treasure in heaven. Let's see all those other people that without our giving of ourselves, of our generosity, of our just going the extra mile or saying the extra thing when I might be a bit embarrassing if they say, well, you know, why don't you go down? I'll take you down to open door or... I think you might like our meeting. Come find out. Come to Alpha. That's the bit, isn't it? That's the bit where it's just on the tip of your tongue, but oh, be embarrassed. Just give that over. Sacrifice that. And see the treasure in heaven. <laughs>